This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Hello and welcome to Food Stuff. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about buffets. Of the all-you-can-eat variety. Yes, specifically. Not, yes, not a... Uh, Jimmy Buffett's French cousins <laughs> eating somewhere at buffets, perhaps. I don't know. They're not involved in this story is what I'm trying to say. Not very much that I know of. Yeah. I didn't look into it too deeply. Anything can happen in these episodes, you know? This is true. <laughs> I have no idea where this is going to go. I feel like we're on a roller coaster. Perfect. Yep. <laughs> it's that air of mystery I like to keep up. Yes. <laughs> Uh, this this episode was partially inspired by a article on How Stuff Works called Why Restaurants Love Buffets Even More Than You Do, just published recently. I think it's written by Dave Ruse, who is an absolute gem. And once once I had that kind of nugget in my head, I was like, yes, where do buffets come from? And we will tell you we will. all about it. My favorite buffet is at Caesars. And yes, I have a favorite buffet. <laughs> Um, in Vegas. <laughs> I, I always mistakenly call it Little Caesars, but it's Caesars. That's definitely a different thing. It is very much a different thing. People laugh at me all the time, and I don't realize why. <laughs> it's one of those things. I just do it automatically. But Caesars, um, and it's called Bacchanal. Oh, yes. very appropriate. Very appropriate. It is so good. And it used to have unlimited mimosas and or champagne, but now there's a two-hour limit. I suspect it's because of, of – it's only it was me. <laughs> they were like, we can't have that happen again. <laughs> we got to put some – They're like, we have a situation. <laughs> yes. They're on their walkie-talkies back there. <laughs> she is still here drinking champagne, <laughs> waiting for the dinner service to start. Um, they have eight chefs. Some places I read it was more, but eight chefs, 500 dishes a day. They have a whole macaron section. Uh, they have made-to-order crepes. Oh they have goodness. gelato, dim sum. I thought I'd, like, been to every place, but then I found out there was a whole other section. Oh. And, I, yeah, I had to wait to get hungry again, or at least not <laughs> completely miserable. <laughs> <laughs> they have really fancy things, too, like truffle deviled eggs, lump crab avocado toast, red velvet pancakes, green applewood smoked wagyu. What? Yeah. Oh, man. All right. Mm-hmm. I also feel like they're, 
there are all-you-can-eat-and-drink sushi places in New York. And last time I went to New York, I went to one, but the memory is definitely fuzzy. <laughs> if there was all-you-can-drink involved, then I can understand why. Makes sense. Uh, I've never been to Vegas, and I'm not really good at buffets. Like, I'm a small person, and I don't really eat that. I, like, snack more than, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> But there is one in Atlanta that focuses on uh, like like Japanese and, and seafood called Nori Nori. That's pretty ridiculous, and we sh- we should go because yeah. Oh, I'm on board. <laughs> I haven't heard of this place. Oh, it's up in it's up in like like Nor- Norcross, like Roswell. Oh, that's why something like that. Yeah, <laughs> like I have a very small radius. Don't worry, I'll drive. <laughs> okay, perfect. I remember reading once that most people don't get their money's worth out of a buffet, and we're going to talk about that. Yeah, but I believe in my heart. Most definitely, for the worst, I do. <laughs> I am someone that does. I see it as a challenge, and I'm a very frugal person. Yeah. It's something I, Lauren and I, we, I think we've talked about on the show, but we're both straight cats. Oh, yeah. But if there's, it's it's all about, like, getting the most for your money, and it's not healthy, but it's it's part of who it's I am. It's a trait. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of uh, people who get their money's worth at buffets. I, whenever I think of buffets, I think of this one episode of The Simpsons. I'm sorry, ma'am, but everything on the menu has fish in it. Mm, What about the bread? Does that have much fish in it? Yes. Oh, I have some Tic Tacs in my purse. Excellent choice. And for the gentleman? All you can eat. All you can eat. That man ate all our shrimp and two plastic lobsters. Tis no man. Tis a remorseless eating machine. Arr. I'm fairly certain I've been called a remorseless eating machine before. <laughs> <laughs> and as I've uh, alluded to on this podcast, I'm very competitive with my brothers in general, right. but with my brothers. Uh-huh. And me and my little brother were extremely competitive when it came to who could eat the most. Oh, uh-huh. and it came to it came to a head at a seafood restaurant. Um, I'm not proud of what went down that day. <laughs> I'm not proud at all. He won. He won. Fair and square. Well, that's it's sometimes it's okay to be on the losing side. There are life lessons there. There are. Somebody told me recently as as an adult woman <laughs> you need to learn how to lose as well. <laughs> so, it is for sure I learned something. I'm not sure what, but I learned something that day. That's good. It's good. It's good. Um, and that brings us to the question that we always ask. Buffets. What are they? <laughs> well, uh, if you don't know, then the past, like, five minutes have probably been very confusing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a buffet-style restaurant is one that uh, – oh, okay. In a, in a regular restaurant, you have a server take your order, and then they have the kitchen prepare the order, and then they bring it to you. In a buffet restaurant, the kitchen has pre-made these large pans and platters of food that are set out in specialized tables in the dining room and kept appropriately hot or cold, hopefully. Uh, The customer takes what they wish from the buffet and generally pays a flat fee. Servers may take your drink orders or let you place special orders from the kitchen. They'll clear your used plates and silver. They'll bring you your tab. But there's relatively low, like, server-to-customer interaction. Yeah. And they are pretty popular or varyingly popular in the U.S. anyway because they, they tend to offer a lot of variety and speed of service to the customer mm-hmm. um, for the money value. Um, they're perceived to be inexpensive or, or high in value to the customer. And there are several intersecting class and age demographics for whom the allure of, of infinite food is just intensely comforting and gratifying. Mm-hmm. And restaurants like them because they can be inexpensive to run. You can, depending on your situation, work with a skeleton crew in the kitchen and in the front of house. With no order time wait, the tables turn over faster. You have the flexibility to change your menu daily based on whatever ingredients are cheap. And furthermore, all of that is considered a plus by novelty-seeking and seasonal-eating patrons. So, nice times all around. Generally. Currently, there are thousands all-you-can-eat buffets in the U.S., and Vegas is home to about 40 of them. (laughs) Um, It's like a big lure. What buffet are you going to go to when you visit? Uh, Atlantic City, too, apparently has a lot of them. Oh, I believe it. I believe it. Uh, You can find all kinds of buffet 
in in Vegas, ranging from affordable to quite expensive and fancy with items like Kobe beef. Um, and if we go back to my favorite Vegas buffet, Bacchanal, um, for some numbers to give us some some perspective here. Okay. This is for one day. Keep that in mind. One day. Okay. 492 pounds of shrimp. <laughs> Over 120 times the amount of the average American would eat, by the way. In a, in a year? I think so. Cool. Yeah, because, I mean. That's a lot of uh, shrimps. How many shrimps are we eating a day? <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not 200 pounds. No. 8,000 pieces of dim sum. 996 lamb chops. 1,000 three-ounce meatballs, over 1,800 shucked Blue Point oysters, Uh over 1,700 pounds of crab legs, almost 1,500 eggs, 80 pounds of hash browns, 240 pounds of chicken wings, (laughs) 1,600 sliders, 140 pounds of crawfish, 40 gallons pho broth in one day. I don't understand that. Uh, yeah, it's a lot. It's quite a lot. And thanks to Thrillist for the list. They have a lot more examples, too, if you want your mind blown even more. I just tried to use the ones <laughs> that we've kind of talked about before on the show. Uh, oh, I see what you did there. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> One key number to talk about when it comes to buffets is waste management. According to the Senior Vice President of Administration at Ovation Brands, which was formerly Buffets, Inc., a buffet item will generate somewhere from 5% to 25% waste. The company filed for bankruptcy in 2012, but has made a comeback since then, primarily through keeping track of trends and minimizing waste. One way that waste can be mitigated is by reusing leftovers safely um, in new dishes. Expensive proteins, especially, you know, meats, fish, eggs, make for good uh, next day soups, sliders, casseroles, hashes, salads, what have you. But yeah, definitely this is one area where big data helps remove waste before it happens. They collect weekly data that they use to forecast the rest of a year. And this comes out to an annual 47 million pounds of chicken, (laughs) 6 million pounds of steak, 85 million dinner rolls and 100 million customers spread across all of their restaurants. And I believe, I don't have the number right in front of me, but I believe they have about like 100 to 150 restaurants across the country. So if that puts all of that into any kind of perspective, which at that point, honestly, it doesn't. Like, I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know what 47 million pounds of chicken is. It's a lot. That's all I know. <laughs> These days, you can find all kinds of specialized buffets, like, yes, in Vegas, but also some dim sum are Chinese places, Indian food buffets, all-you-can-eat sushi places in New York City, perhaps. Shabu Shabu are Korean barbecue places where restaurant owners save money not only on servers, but the fact that the customers cook their own food. A lot of hotels still sport a buffet. And Golden Corral has withstood the test of time, named Entrepreneur Magazine's number one franchiser for the 20th year what? in 2016. To this day, there are almost 500 of them in the U.S. According to their site, they have over 160 items, along with a carving station, a salad station, a bakery, and desserts. We touched on some of the really over-the-top brunch buffets in, um, in Dubai in our brunch episode. And, yeah, not all buffets are cheap. Uh, just for one example, the Hotel del Coronado in San Diego offers a $98 Sunday brunch that includes a Bloody Mary bar where you can apparently just stick a whole crab leg right in your drink. <laughs> just right there. If you really needed a can you- <laughs> spider-themed Bloody Mary. It's just going to keep hitting I know. you in the face. I, I mean, I hope somebody somewhere, <laughs> I'm sure, just puts a bunch of them in there. As an excuse to take crab legs back to the table. I'm I'm nearly positive that that has occurred. Probably every day (laughs) that occurs. Every day that it is a Sunday. (laughs) So that's uh, an overview of buffets. Mm -hmm. But they they have a a pretty interesting history. They do. Um, And we will get into that right after we get back from a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. 
And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga! How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Okay, so let's get this out of the way. The all-you-can-eat buffet is pretty much an American thing. No one here is shocked. <laughs> no, not no shock. <laughs> All right, but it does have a historical precursor in both France and Sweden. And there are so many paintings and descriptions throughout history of long tables overflowing with food and company, which are reminiscent of the buffets we have today, but they were more of banquets. So if you're saying to yourself, wait a minute, you're leaving all this out. Most of it was probably banquets. Yeah. Some of it might have been buffet-like, but mostly banquets. Yeah, sure, sure. It's serve-yourself kind of situation. Absolutely happened before America. (laughs) It did. And it happened in 18th century France where the buffet was seen as a way to show off. Um, And kind of most importantly, show off your long buffet table, which really cracks me up, and the fact (laughs) that you could fill it out. Ah. It also offered hosts the opportunity to focus more on entertaining rather than food. The word buffet comes from France, specifically the 12th century word for bench or stool buffet. By the 19th century, the English word buffet came to mean a meal served on a sideboard. The Swedish model more closely resembles what the American version is today with the Swedish smorgasbord. This started out in the 18th century, too, as a way for the upper class to feed surprise guests. (laughs) Originally, it was a sort of pre-dinner side table of bread and butter. Smorgasbord literally translates to buttered breadboard. There was also a Bronvensbord, or a table of spirits. Ooh. Yeah, I know. The smorgasbord <laughs> ballooned from there to a five-ish course meal. Eggs and boiled vegetables, salted fish, cold-cut meats, salads and warm entrees, dessert, and, of course, coffee. One of the first hotels in Sweden to do this, the Grand Hotel, still serves a smorgasbord to this day. It also hosted the first Nobel Prize banquet in 1901. Oh, Buffets in Sweden are still served in a precise order. From the country's tourism website, quote, you can pick out a non-Swede by the way the person loads everything onto a single plate. Oh, what? 
Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. It is, isn't it? I've definitely been picked out before then. <laughs> um, there was and is an art to the flow of a proper smorgasbord. The table was usually set in the middle of the room with a starting point on each side of the table to prevent bottlenecks. Oh. And sometimes on both ends of the table as well. Clever. Cutlery and cups at the end, separate plates for herring because of the strong smell, and separate plates for desserts. I found such an excellent and thorough diagram for the optimal smorgasbord setup, and it included this etiquette tip. <laughs> Only take enough food that you have room for. Piling up a large amount of food on your plate is considered rude and uncivilized. Oh. I would be seen as quite uncivilized. <laughs> quite uncivilized indeed. There are a lot of similar iterations of this throughout Europe and Asia. There's the Kuzka table in Russia, the Smorgasbord coffee buffet in Finland, which is sort of the Nordic answer to the English afternoon tea, uh-huh. up to the fact that it was mostly women who were not welcome in coffee houses that were taking part at first. Oh, wow. Yeah. <sighs> During the 1912 Swedish Olympics, the Swedish smorgasbord got its first taste of worldwide recognition. But it wasn't until 1939 that the Swedish smorgasbord made the journey over to the United States. It was featured at that year's World Fair in New York. It was a rotating display at the Three Crowns restaurant with a pretty substantial spread from what I understand. Fast forward to the 50s and we get the first American buffet-style restaurants. But the first all-American, all-you-can-eat buffets weren't really directly inspired by the Swedish smorgasbord. Instead, it was all to do with gambling. Oh. And not with food poisoning. Or maybe both. A little bit. Gambling with money. (laughs) (laughs) Stepping back a bit to 1919. Canadian immigrant to the U.S., Herb McDonald, made his way to Vegas, where he took a job as a publicist for the Hotel El Rancho Vegas. If you know anything about gambling, uh, the Vegas Strip in particular, you know that the hotels sort of one-up each other to keep people coming into their hotel and staying in to spend all of their money, to lose all of your money probably, while you're gambling. Uh huh. The story goes that one late night in the 1940s, McDonald got an idea for keeping the gamblers happy. He went into the kitchen, got some bread, cheese, and cold cuts, and spread them out on the bar for the feasting (laughs) or snacking more probably. Some stories say this started out as something McDonald made for himself, but people passing passing by were like, oh, can I have some of that? And McDonald's like, okay, for a price, yeah, sure. (laughs) The customers loved it, and it didn't take long for McDonald to offer a 24-7 buckaroo buffet, complete with seafood, salads, cold cuts, all for a cool one nada. One of the first ads for it read, every possible variety of hot and cold entrees to appease the howling coyote in your innards in the late night pre-dawn hours. <laughs> we all know about that howling coyote in your innards. Oh, absolutely. I call mine Gamork, and that is a true story. <laughs> Never-ending story. (laughs) While the Buckaroo Buffet was a financial loss, overall, it paid off by creating a loyal customer base and having a gimmick that lured in new patrons. Seeing this, of course, other hotels on the Strip copied their example, coming out with midnight buffets of their own. The Vegas buffet trend rippled out to the rest of the U.S., Things like Sizzler, which I definitely thought was one of those fake movie restaurants, what? but I guess it's real. Um, Golden Corral. My my best friend's mom loves Golden Corral. Every time Aww. I think of Golden Corral, I think of her. She'd see one in, like driving. She'd get so excited. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty adorable. Um, and Pizza Hut, I forgot Pizza Hut used to have a buffet. Oh, absolutely. The salad bar with all of that kale on it. And yeah. It, well, and not like as a salad, as like, like a garnish. garnish. Yeah. yeah. And then the pizza buffet. I totally forgot about that. There are photos online and they are glorious. <laughs> I'm going to have to look them up. Oh, yeah. Something listeners should look up is the, the old Sizzler commercials. Sizzler is the one that brings us choices each and every day. Get a little freedom in your life. <laughs> They're very epic. Wow. It ties it to, like, patriotism and America. That's great. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Here's a clip. We will make the most of all the best that freedom 
1959. A huge innovation for buffets. The sneeze guard. Yeah. (laughs) Johnny Garneau filed a patent for a food service table, a.k.a. the sneeze guard, as it was seen as a way to prevent the spread of germs when people would, you know, sneeze on your food. Uh, Garneau owned some Swedish-style smorgasbord restaurants in Ohio and Pennsylvania and was also a bit of a germaphobe. So he went to his engineers and said, we got to come up with something to keep people from sneezing or even getting close to the food. Now, sneeze guards are required by law in the U.S., although states have adopted different regulations around them, like the required distance away from food. Uh, it, it was I was, like, really fascinated by it, even though it was extremely boring. I didn't <laughs> include it in here, but I don't know. Something about it was like, you must stand within 14 inches and this and this and that. I thought it was really funny. <laughs> anyway, America <laughs> reached peak buffet in the 80s when excess was all the rage. They were popular with families, with travelers on business, and at vacation spots like Vegas or on cruise ships, playing a key role in the popularity of the buffet. TV commercials like that Sizzler one, uh, promising not only excess, but at a value price. That's a key to the success of the buffet in America. We love feeling like we're getting a deal. Buffets felt like we were getting the most bang for our buck. Whether or not that's true, different story. But we felt like we were. Yes. Also helping feed, well, feed the trend during the 80s, I wrote that without even thinking about it, (laughs) was the rise of Nouvelle Cuisine, Uh, you know, like fresh seasonal eating. Um, Not at buffets necessarily, but at like nicer restaurants that served that kind of fresh made food for dinner. The the high cost of those meals drove some of these upscale restaurants to open brunch or lunch buffets to help mitigate overall costs. But then that fresh and seasonal thing did hop over to buffets with the entrance of the salad-heavy concepts like sweet tomatoes, soup plantation, which is not a thing I'm familiar with, but that's a great name, and let us surprise you in the 1990s. (laughs) <laughs> the name Let Us Surprise You has always made me feel sad. Like, I love a pun, but for some reason, that one, I'm just like slow head shake. <laughs> that one didn't work for you, huh? No. <laughs> the first Brazilian steakhouse opened in the U.S. in 1995. I almost completely forgot about these. Um, but I guess, yeah, buffet, pretty much. It's certainly all you can eat. Yeah. The first review for the chain credited with introducing Americans to Brazilian steakhouses, um, thanks to their aggressive expansion plan, Fogo de Chao, was printed in Texas in 1997. So newish. Nowadays, Brazilian steakhouses account for a relatively small portion of the American restaurant market, but they did make $607 million in 2015. Over the next five years, Fogo de Chao is expected to grow an annual 10%. Huh. This is where we went for my little brother's graduation. And uh, I don't know if you've been, but you have these. And there's a paddle, right? And there's, right. there's like a yes side and a, and a no side. Yes. There's a green for like green for come on. For come bring all your meat to me. Red Fig- for no more. Yeah. Yes, because they come to your table. There is like a salad bar type thing where you can go up and get. If you're a fool. Yeah, if you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> but if if you just use the paddle, um, people come tableside and shave meat off onto your plate, like 24 different types of meat at Fogo de Chao. Anyway, I was a fool, and <laughs> I, for, I kept forgetting to turn my paddle over from green to red. Uh-huh. But I had to try all the meats. And... Uh, <laughs> Annie. It was horrible. We <laughs> left like we were walking like C three PO. It was, it was not a good situation. <laughs> yeah, I've never been to one of these, and I I feel like I shouldn't. Probably not. Probably <laughs> not. It was delicious. I just there's a really funny picture that one of the I think the owner came out and took it because we were all like laying our heads down on the table. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I I asked. He was like, "Did you did you get everything you wanted?" And I said, "Actually, there was this Parmesan pork I've been waiting for." And he went back and bought it out for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm a fool. I'm a fool. But 
I did have fun. Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Folk de Chao was around elsewhere earlier than this U.S. debut in 1997, dating back to Brazil in 1979, and probably earlier than that, but that's when the two owners that kind of started the chain of it uh, bought uh-huh. that restaurant. And we'll have to do a whole episode on the tradition behind Brazilian steakhouses and churrasco, or barbecue, and rodizio, which is essentially what we think of now for a fixed-price diner's get. They're filled with grilled meats, cut off of skewers, table side. The legend is that Rodizio got its start thanks to a happy accident when a waiter delivered a skewer of meat to the wrong table, but then shaved off a bit of the skewered roast beef for the customer, the wrong customer anyway, (laughs) uh, before delivering it to the correct table. (laughs) During the 70s and 80s, as more and more roads were being built in Brazil, more and more of these types of restaurants went up to feed truck drivers. The brothers behind Fogo de Chao saw a similarity with Texas steakhouses, with this Brazilian steakhouse and Texas steakhouse, and decided to mesh the two together, and voila. But too much of a, of a thing is not always good, mm-hmm. and rapid expansion combined with the competition of the 90s and a renewed focus on health meant that all-you-can-eat buffets saw a decline in popularity during this time. Getting a profit off of a buffet isn't the easiest thing either if you're not a hotel in Vegas with all of this other stuff attached to it. People put food in their coats or purses to take out, and people like me treat it as a challenge and (laughs) eat way too much. Yeah. Um, Some restaurants to combat this, uh, like Sizzler, has replaced the saying all you can eat with all you care to eat. I'm not sure that's going to make a difference. That's not – I guess it's less of a challenge, but – yeah, that's true. I don't know how many people are like, oh, all you can eat. Ha! I don't know. Me neither. We all should... you care to eat. It's a little bit less aggressive. I guess so. Yeah. It doesn't sound so much as like a challenge being yelled in my face. Yeah. Uh, other kind of problems that started popping up around then, or I suppose maybe not popping up, but coming to light rather, in the early 2000s, um, several Chinese buffet restaurants in particular were called out for unfair labor practices. Just for for one example, the owners of 14 restaurants in the Chicago area were sued for $1.5 million in unpaid wages in 2002. But as with most things in the food and beverage industries, there was something of a renewal or like reboot of all-you-can-eat buffets in the U.S. in the mid-aughts, with the formerly, like, mass-minded kitchens beginning to up the prices and the quality, hence those, you know, $100 brunch buffets. Yeah. And I want to include this quote from Brian Bartles about the American buffet from Vine Pear. With all that beauty and excitement and pure possibility and the inevitable dangerous dark side, <laughs> the buffet is not just an archetype of American cuisine. It's a metaphor for America and all its splendid, dangerous excess. <laughs> that's, oh, that's actually a really good point. It is, isn't it? Yeah. I read it and I, I was nodding my head. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, A writer for the Asian American culture magazine Hyphen put it in a slightly more flattering light, um, speaking about their family's tradition of going to a super China buffet every Thanksgiving. They said, old folks and young folks from Asia, Africa, Eastern Europe, and Latin America jostling over heaping piles of crab rangoons, sushi, cheese mussels, mashed potatoes, macaroni, and jello. What could be more American than that? I love it. It's true. I know. Oh. When I was a kid, I, I grew up in a really small town, and there was only, there were not many restaurant options, and there was only one buffet, and it was a Chinese buffet, and I do remember eating just far too many crab rangoons, <laughs> far, far too many. But it was something we did as a family, and it Aww. was kind of a fun outing for us, a very exciting thing in our small town that we're going to this buffet. Oh, no. I, I mean, I... I get it, or I, I don't get it from the childhood perspective. My dad was a was a chef, and because of that, he w- had this very like n- like no like like yeah. <laughs> emotion about buffets, like to the point that I think my grandmother suggested taking me to one once for lunch, and he was like, "Not my daughter, <laughs> never." <laughs> um, but uh, so I think the first time, other than like a like a salad buffet at like a Ruby Tuesday or something like uh-huh. that, the first time that I ever ate at a buffet was after I moved to Atlanta to an area called um, uh, my, my first job was in an area called Tucker, which is which is a, a little bit uh, 
outside of the outside of the metro yeah. walk of life, and there was a Chinese buffet there that had um, an, an all you can drink sweet tea came with every meal. Oh. And I was like, I am in the South now. The South is where I am. <laughs> yes, it is. Yep. <laughs> it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, we were talking before before we started recording, and they're like, we're going to have to do an episode on Brazilian steakhouses and one on dim sum. Oh, sure. Um, All these similar concepts that are not so similar that I wanted to mire myself in the research today. <laughs> yeah, it's just a lot, and it, they are their own separate things. Absolutely. So to do them justice, we will return to them. And I also want to leave with a disclaimer that I actually um, don't eat at buffets very often because it is. It's just a danger I'm zone? Afra- it's like I become the Hulk. I'm a little <laughs> afraid of what happens. I have no control of myself anymore. It's I'm a different person. I'm afraid people listening will will hear this episode and think I just live at a buffet. I don't go very often because of this very reason. Just wanted to <laughs> throw that out there. That's that's good to know. Yeah. Oh yes. <laughs> well, if we go if we go to like Nori Nori or something, then well, I'll be I'll be your buddy. Thank we you. Can, I'll I'll be. <laughs> oh man, if I was in a buffet by myself, I've got a real problem. All I'll, hands. <laughs> I'll be your Black Widow. It's the <laughs> perfect. <laughs> <Anytime>. <laughs> The meal's getting real low. <laughs> no. Anyway. Uh, we do have some of the science for you, the, the like economical and psychological science of how buffets work or are purported to. Um, but first, we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga! How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. Big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Uh, So... Because they represent both a uh, potentially profitable segment of the restaurant industry and also, as we said, like a pretty solid metaphor for American eating and buying habits, there has been a lot of research into how buffets work. 
And before we really get started, I, I wanted to mention that, that one of the large producers of research about eating habits, the Food and Brand Lab at Cornell, came under criticism for its methodology in 2017. It was this whole sticky thing. So, you know, if you're searching for info about this sort of thing and you come across them and their director, uh, Brian Wansink, as data sources, it had paid a follow-up and see whether the study in question is one of the ones that's being, you know, questioned. Mm-hmm. Um doesn't necessarily mean that all of their research is bad. Just, uh, you know, due diligence. Check it out. As always, yes. Mm -hmm. Um, That being said, first off, from the moment you walk into a buffet restaurant, you are probably being subtly pushed to eat less and eat the less expensive things. Um, The plates are probably smaller than your average dinner plate to make you take less food at a time and to make you less likely to go back to the line after a certain point with the hope that you'll figure, oh, I've already had two platefuls or three platefuls. No more is necessary. That's fine. Annie's shaking her head. She's like, (laughs) not me. Well, that's why I pile it all on one plate. (laughs) (laughs) And I still go back for multiple plates. Restaurant suppliers actually offer specific buffet lines of their dinnerware that are smaller sized. Mm. Uh, Meanwhile, glassware for water and soft drinks and stuff like sweet tea uh, is likely to be larger than usual, hoping that you'll fill stomach space with liquid. Oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, The line itself will feature uh, uh, cheap filling uh, breads, soups, salads, and starchy vegetables the most prominently. More expensive items like proteins may be hidden around corners or surrounded by larger plates of cheaper side dishes or placed all the way at the end of the line. And if you think that you're immune to all of this, you're probably not, uh, unless you're like actively thinking about it when you go. Research has borne out that over 75% of diners will take some of the first food offered on a line Whatever it is. Oh, that's a rookie mistake. You gotta look through the whole line. You gotta look at everything. And then you walk back and look again. And you have in mind, like, these are the things I definitely have to get anyway. I got a whole plan when I enter. You clearly do. That's great. Uh, Also, even if you do have a plan, um, more expensive items may be cut into smaller portions, uh, like the aforementioned proteins or uh, savory or sweet pies, or they might be provided more sparingly than those like overflowing trays of fried potatoes or cut fruit in the hopes that people will be polite and only take like a single portion of the fish or the crab legs. Mm -hmm. And yes, I am looking at you, humans, who take all the effing crab legs. (laughs) The second that they come out, you you living monsters. Agreed. I, I do not do that because I, I, I need the space. You, I like to try things. Right. Oh, yes. see, that's the other thing about buffets. Yeah, yeah, because you want to try everything. Exactly. Oh. That's what I'm about. I, mm. I'm not going to take all of your crab legs, Lauren. Don't worry about that. Thank you. <laughs> I just want like one or two. Exactly. Anyway. It's rude. It's terrible. <laughs> Uh, and uh, and another thing, if you're if you're getting ready to cite how uh, lavishly you ate at a casino buffet as as a uh, kind of proof that that all of this doesn't work on you, <laughs> those don't really count. Of course, they would prefer to be making money, but casino restaurants and bars are allowed to and frequently do operate at a loss uh, as long as they're bringing customers in to gamble. Yeah, yeah, that's why. They have so many things attached to them. Right. Like they, they can – as long as they're bringing in the people and hopefully probably getting them a little sauced. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> making them happy and forget about all that money they lost, then, yeah. They're, they're doing they're their fine. job. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then a couple other little, little research notes. Um, a weird one being that um, inexpensive price tags on buffets may have diminishing returns on customer satisfaction. Um, in a Cornell Food and Brand Lab study that seems to be on the up and up, buffet goers who paid $4 uh, felt fuller and guiltier and rated the food quality poorer than buffet goers who paid $8, even though both groups were getting the same food. That's so fascinating. I know, right? <laughs> Oh, the human brain is a terrible place. Um, Also, I love this one. Buffets can be useful in other kinds of research into eating habits. Um, There's a study published in Appetite in 2012 uh, showing that an experimental buffet restaurant created reproducible eating results in a group of subjects, like total calorie intake and and macronutrient breakdown, like fats and, and proteins and carbs, could be reproduced given the subject's hunger levels across different trials. Mm-hmm. So it's great. Yeah. I don't know. They're good for research. I yeah. just love that. That's so funny. I wonder 
if the if people knew what was being researched when they saw, hey, we're looking for people to eat at a buffet a couple of times. <laughs> You're like, okay, well, all right, <laughs> sure, no problem. For science, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of uh, fun science around this. I read articles about um, the tyranny of choice. Um, oh yeah, people get overwhelmed and just take whatever is most prominent. Right. Um, yeah, and there was a really cool saying about it in French, and I can't remember. Uh, the French, it was like, uh, well, it, it meant um, too much choice is the death of choice. Oh, which is really that's very French. Yeah, it was. <laughs> that is extremely French. Um, I remember that on, um, it's, it's frequently brought up at sandwich places as people just freeze. Yeah. What do I do? I'll take a number one, you know, because if you have 50 topping items, your brain... Mm-mm. No. No. Can't handle that many. It can't. So the, the research on this was a it, this was a fun one. It was a fun fun one to look into. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, and I'm I'm not as hungry as I was last week, but I'm still like, oh let's go, let's go right now. I'm in. All right. I am in. <laughs> you just gotta <laughs> be prepared <laughs> to be terrified. Okay. But I think we'll get through it. Absolutely. In the meantime, it's time for Listener Mail. Yeah. It's going all around the buffet. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, I, was... I can bring my plans, <laughs> my buffet plan. <laughs> I'll write them down. It'll be like Fight Club. <laughs> It'll be great. Perfect. <laughs> you can't share them with anyone, though. Okay, I, I swear, swear to secrecy. Perfect. All right. Kate wrote, I just listened to the afternoon tea episode, but it made me think of tea dueling. If you guys haven't heard of that before, it's a pretty fantastic sport practiced in the steampunk community. Here's the most succinct definition I could find for you. Tea dueling is the art of gracefully dunking a tea biscuit into a cup of brown joy, soaking (laughs) it for five seconds, and then lifting it and cleanly nomming on it, all without dripping tea, losing biscuit fragments into the tea or the table, uh, and doing so after your fellow duelist. Ah. It's pretty fun to watch, and I think they usually have some at DragonCon if you want to check it out. They even make dueling holsters, which you can use to always have your cup and saucer (laughs) on hand. (laughs) Thank you, Kate. We did talk about this off mic after we did our tea time episode with Julia. Yeah, and I forget how it came up, but we it was like a 15-minute conversation. I we were brought it up. We were so fascinated because we were like, what is this and how do we get into it? Yes, because I, two <laughs> years ago I was at Dragon Con and someone invited me to go to a Game of Thrones-themed tea duel. <laughs> and I had no idea what he was talking about and it's been bothering me ever since in the back of my mind. What's a tea duel? What's a tea duel? And so, yeah, we talked about it for 15 minutes and we got to the bottom of it. Dragon Con, as we record this, is coming up and I'm going to see if I can find this Game of Thrones tea duel. Oh, please do. Get get some photogra- photographic or video evidence. Yes. Oh, yeah. I I will document it oh. quite thoroughly. Awesome. Oh, yes. man. Yeah, steampunk, uh, steampunk has a great Dragon Con community. Um, <laughs> Dragon Con has a great steampunk community. So I feel I feel like you'll be able to track it down. If I see someone carrying a holster with tea, a teacup and a saucer, I'll know. Oh, yeah. I'll know. That's the guy to ask. That's the guy or gal to ask. Yeah. Yes. I'm just going to follow them around creepily. <laughs> I was going to say you could approach them, but you know, sure, either way. <laughs> just as the Winter Soldier. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's... Mm. <laughs> Teresa wrote, I was recently listening to your new fictional foods episode, and when you mentioned the pangalactic gargle blaster, I realized that the bar, uh, the way station in Brooklyn, New York, I went to for my 21st birthday, had a specialty drink by the same name. The bartender would ask you three questions. What alcohol do you like? What alcohol do you want to avoid? If you were a planet, which would you be? And they would create a drink based on your answers. I had far too many of them. And the last thing I remember is playing with a tiny dinosaur friend that I found as the garnish in the bottom of one of those drinks while listening to the bar's Scottish house band, The Wasties. Huh. 
Side note, I am severely disappointed in myself that I didn't think to use Gallifrey as my planet for one of those drinks. The bar has a bathroom that is a giant TARDIS in the center of the room. We have to get to this place, Lauren. We clearly do. This is... This sounds delightful. It really does. Oh, yeah. Thank thank you. Thank you for writing in about it. Yes. Thanks to both of them for writing in. And if you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is foodstuff at howstuffworks.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at foodstuffhsw and also on Instagram at foodstuff. Yes. And I would keep an eye on those social medias. Because we, we have a few changes coming, a few surprises, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're shifting a few things up around here, and uh, we, we hope that you will have as much fun coming along with us on the journey as we are having doing it. We are having doing fun <laughs> journeys. Yes. Very much. <laughs> also good words. We clearly chose the correct profession. Absolutely. Uh <laughs> Thank you, as always, to our super producer, Dylan Fagan. Um, Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.